Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Sean, and if you're new with us, I want to welcome you. I'm the executive pastor here. Pastor Will is out, but he'll be back next week. And we're going to have a brand new series entitled Counter Culture. As believers in Christ, we are to live differently than the culture that we live in. But that's tough to do because the culture is like a stream. It's just, it's just running. And whenever we swim against the stream, it can do one of two things. It can cause curiosity or it can cause confusion. How do we swim against the stream and cause curiosity and not confuse them? Pastor Will is going to help us unpack that over this next series. You're going to really like it. We're also got baptism next Sunday, and we're going to be dressing up. So um, what was that show, The Price is Right, which was the one, Make a Deal, where they had to dress up in the audience? Make a Deal? Okay, this would just do my heart so much good. If this whole room would just be like clowns and butterflies, and Pastor Will had to preach to that, oh, that would be so good. I mean, y'all would, oh, that would make a hard, but we got all that going on. It's going to be a fun time next week. You want to come and be back. Well, um, last week I was up here and I uh, talked about my big mouth and I also talked about your big mouth and how our big mouth gets us in trouble sometimes. And we looked at um, really this teaching that James gave to us, James, the brother of Jesus. And it was pretty simple. Basically, it got boiled down to this. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. Quick to listen slow to speak. And we learned if we could do that, oh, it'd make our relationships better and make us feel better. We'd be just so much better off if we could be quick to listen and slow to speak. Well, this morning, I want us to um, look at what the apostle Paul had to say uh, about our mouth, uh, because there's plenty in the Bible uh, to talk about how we should use our words, how we should use our mouth. And um, Paul uh, does a great job unpacking and teaching on it. Now, if you don't know who Paul is, Paul is an interesting fellow. When we first meet Paul, he did not like the church one bit. And then he had this miraculous experience um, with Jesus. And after that, he was a believer and he jumped in hook, line, and sinker. He became a leader in the church. Matter of fact, he went and started these little uh, small churches in all these towns around Galilee and and across um, the modern world at that time. And then he would go back and write these letters to these churches. And he would share with them how they were to live this thing out. How, like we're trying to do, how, do we, how are we believers in this culture of people that aren't believers? How do we live differently? How does it look differently? And so one of the letters that he wrote was to a church in Ephesus. We call it the, church, uh, we call it, uh, the book of uh, Ephesians. And it's really just a letter. It's not really a book. It's a letter. Uh, but in that, he unpacks uh, to this church that he helps start some encouragement to them and a whole bunch of wisdom. And one of the things he talks about is how to use our words. And so we're going to dive into that. Ephesians 4, 29 says this, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Now that seems pretty straightforward, right? Don't let any wholesome talk come out of your mouth. Well, what does he mean by unwholesome? Well, this is the nice version of what this means. Okay. If I look in the Greek, what it means, it's the foulest thing you can come up with. The smelliest, most disgusting thing you can come up with. He says, don't let that kind of talk be who you are. We're living in a new time, in a new age. You've said you're going to follow a new leader. 
And that new leader in his kingdom, that's not how we talk. We don't let things that are disgusting come out of our mouth. And he's not talking about vulgar language. He's talking about our words. This word talk right here can also, was also defined as logos in the Greek. And logos just means word. Don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. He has something that he wants us to see in this. He's something that's really important. And he wants us to know that this is, this is the, how we're going to be living in this new kingdom. We're going to be living in a different way. So don't do that. But, he gives us a but. But only. Okay? So we're not supposed to let any unwholesome words come out of our mouth. So what he's trying to say there is, hey, you are in control of your mouth. Okay? I'm in control of my mouth. We are to be gatekeepers of our mouth. And we're not to let anything unwholesome come out of it. But Sean, that means we never talk? No. Sometimes we have to say something. So this is the but. Okay? This is, this is the but in the sentence. But, hey, you know that, those words that keep trying to rush your mouth? Okay? Be a good security guard. Look through their backpacks. Look through their purses. Make sure what kind of words are they. Are they words that can do damage? Are they words that can do good? Okay? You're the security guard. It's your gate. Words come rushing at us all the time. What are the ones that we let through? Well, Paul tells us. Do not let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs. That is that it may benefit those who listen. We're supposed to let helpful words come out of our mouth. Now this verse, when you hear it, that sounds so churchy, doesn't it? Don't let any unwholesome words come out of your mouth. Who can live like that? Really? I mean, in this day and age, how are we supposed to live like that? I mean, it all sounds really good, and it's nice on a bumper sticker, but can anyone live like this? I mean, is really this how you talk to your child, sweetheart? You know it's probably not best to put all those raisins in your baby brother's mouth. There's any some urgency there. Can you imagine this on a job review? Hey, buddy, you know, um, if you would just show up sometimes, that would be nice. I mean, how does this work? How do we, how do, we do this? Listen, he's not saying that every word should be nice that comes out. He says it should be helpful. There's a big difference there. It's supposed to be helpful. Sometimes the things that's the most helpful are the hardest things to say. You see, some of us, when I say us, I mean me, don't have a problem saying the hard things. Matter of fact, I take pride in it. If it's a hard thing that needs to be said, give it to me. I'll do it. It's kind of why I have my job. Because I get to go around and say, hey, let's work on this, let's work on that. I don't mind that. Okay? And there's a time for that. But sometimes the way I say it, it's not helpful. But here's what I also know. There's some of you out there, you never say anything. And it should be said. Because it's hard. You let your friends and your family move through stages in life, and you knew that there was a word you could say to them that would help them in that moment. And you chose to hold on to it. Because you didn't want to have the hard conversation. You didn't want to say the hard thing. Well, let me ask you this. What if you went to a doctor and they only totally told you the good news? Hey, got your blood work in here. 
Uh, mm, oh, okay. Um, uh, ooh, uh, hey, you're not dehydrated. I mean, your insulin level are off the roof. You got high blood pressure. But let's not talk about that. Let's only talk about what's going good. How long would you go to that doctor for? Not very long if you want to survive. Sometimes we have to say hard things. And that's okay. As long as they're helpful. As long as they're helpful. This should be the gauge that we go through every one of our conversations with. Is this what is needed to build this person up is this what's needed to build this person up in this moment at this time where this person standing or sitting next to me is what do they need what do they need how do I do this we go back to what James says listen 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 you're listening for what they need you're listening. Body language, what's it telling me? Inflection of their words, what's it telling me? What are their words saying? Do they go together? Are they in the right frame of mind at this moment to hear the thing that I need to say? Or should I come back and say this some other time? Yeah, it needs to be said, but they're not in a place right now to hear this. So is this the right time to say it? I don't really want to say that because it could hurt their feelings. What do they need? What do they need? What does the person across from you need? You have to become a good listener. God so loved the world that he gave. What did he give us? He gave us what we needed, his son. Was that easy? No, but it's what we needed. We so love the person across from them that we give them what they need. Not what I like to do. Give them what I want. I want to share you with my wisdom. I want to share with you all my crazy ideas. I want to share with you my zingers. I want to share with you my points. How many of us go into conversations like that? I'm just so thankful that this person sitting across from me because they're going to be blessed by everything I have to say. We can't listen to what somebody needs whenever we are trying to give them what we need. And that is for them to listen to us. But that's not what they need. They need us to hear them. They need us to understand them. They need us to listen. People should walk away better off because of our conversations. That should be our gauge. That right there should be our gauge. Paul goes on and says this. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. What does he mean by this? It sounds all like spiritual and everything. It's pretty simple. This is what he means. Don't say anything that's going to make God go, uh-oh, why did you say that? That goes against everything I'm trying to do. I'm trying to let this person know that they're loved. I'm trying to let them know that the person they're cared for. I'm trying to let this person know that they're unique, that I love them, that they have special gifts that I want them to use in the world. Why would you say that? It goes against everything I'm trying to do in this person's life. Why would you tear them down like that? 
Paul says, don't do that. Don't make our Heavenly Father go, "Uh uh-oh, to something we said. It goes against his agenda when we start putting our agendas on the conversations. That's all Paul's trying to teach us. What he's basically trying to say in all of this is that we are responsible for our words. Every conversation we come into, we need to look like this is a construction site. And my words are the building material. And I either build you up or I tear you down. Let me ask you, who gets paid more on the job? A craftsman or the demo person? The craftsman. Why? It's a lot harder. It takes more finesse. It takes more planning. It takes years of experience. You cut off all the power in this building right here, and you give me a sledgehammer, and in a year it'll be torn down. It won't be pretty. But can I build it back up? No. No. God's trying to say, Paul's trying to give us a picture of, you need to become a master builder in every one of your relationships. When people walk away, they go, man, I just feel so much better after speaking with them. I love being in their presence. Man, it lifts me up. I feel, I walk away with air in my sail. So it's not just the things that we say, but the things we talk about. Are we constantly complaining? about what's going on here and there? Are we inquisitive about the person standing, sitting across from us? What's going on in your life? What's happening? And whenever there is something tragic going on, do we go, oh man, that's tough. Let me tell you about my thing. Or do we go, you know what? That's hard. And I'm not going to say anything that's not. But with every tragedy comes an opportunity. And that sounds cliche, but it's true. Every great invention was done because there was a tragedy and somebody had to figure out a way to make something out of it. So I don't know what your answer is, but I know that God's got an answer for you. So just keep believing, keep moving forward. There's hope for a better day. Which one's going to leave the person feeling better? Doom and gloom or opportunity for growth? That's what we're to do. Be builders with our words. Be master craftsmen. Paul goes on and says this. Get rid of all bitterness. Whoa, Paul, where did that come from? We were talking about words, and now you're telling me get rid of all bitterness? What are you, what are you going here? These completely go together for Paul. Because this is what he knows. All the words that are negative that come out, all your feelings that you share with others that you go like, ooh, why'd I say that? Oh, man, I shouldn't have done that. You know what the root cause is? Bitterness. Bitterness. The bitterness that you carry around. The bitterness that I carry around. That's the cause of the words that we get so ashamed of the bite in our tone. And he just doesn't say stop doing that. No, the Greek word here means get rid of it. It means to pack up. To get rid of is to pack it up. Just like you pack up the trash. Just like you go in that storage room that you got that's been sitting there forever. You've been holding on to stuff. What do we do? We got to pack it up. And then what we do? We take it out to the curb. 
and we throw it away. That's what Paul wants us to do. He wants us to get rid of all the bitterness because it shows up in our passive-aggressive tone. It shows up in the little side comments. It shows up in the way we say things. How many of you have ever been told it's not what you say, it's how you say it? You don't have to raise your hand. I was told that my whole life growing up. I've said it to my daughter. She said it to me. Okay? That's bitterness. That's the root. That's where it's coming from. You can't be a builder if you're bitter. You can't. You can't build people up if you are holding on to bitterness. But you know what the answer for bitterness is? Forgiveness. Forgive. To let it go. To pack it up and throw it away. We have to forgive. Why? Why is the opposite of of bitterness forgiveness? Because. You know why you're bitter? Because what was said over you as a kid? The things that were said in your house, the sarcasm that was used. Some of you grew up and not a, a good thing was said, and if it ever was, it had, a, had some attached to it. Some of you are coming out of marriages, and you were told you're no good, so no one could love you. Some of you are coming out of jobs. Where you were put down, ridiculed, made to feel inferior. We don't leave those in those past relationships. They come with us. And that strap metal from words goes with us into new relationships and new seasons. So we take all that hurt with us into new relationships. All that pain they received from our past, we carry it with us. And here's the deal. Those wounds keep us from saying the things that we should say and lets us say the things we shouldn't say. Because what happens is I go, I have to protect myself. So I'm going to use my words as walls protect me. I will never let another person in to that space again because that space is wounded from my past and I won't let you in. And that'll keep me from telling you how I really feel. It'll keep me from loving you the way I should love you. My pride is my protection. And my pride won't say to you what I really want to say. It says things that I get ashamed about that I wish I'd have never said. There's words get used because I was hurt. And hurt people hurt people. My grandmother, bless her heart, if I told you her story, you'd go, oh my gosh. She had every right to be bitter. And she did. And my dad paid the price for it. And I paid the price for it. And my kids have paid the price for it. And if I went further back in our generations, I would see that my grandmother's father, who did the most damage, had damage done to him. 
So just blaming our past doesn't take care of it. That's why we have to forgive. We have to forgive. Jesus comes to us and says, you know what? You know that pain you're dealing with? That pain from your past, you know those words that were said over you? I'm going to pay the price for them. You can forgive them because I have paid the price for what they did to you. And I'm going to pay the price for what you're doing to others. We've got to forgive. Bitter people try to pay back the people who never did anything to them because they can't pay back the people who wounded them. We've all experienced it. We know we didn't do anything. I came into a marriage, and I didn't put those wounds on my spouse. But I'm paying the price for it. And you have nothing to pay back because you know what? You were wounded too. The only way we're out of this thing is if we learn to put it at the feet of Jesus and forgive. Forgiveness is a decision to give someone from the past what they don't deserve so that you can give those around you what they deserve. If you want your relationships with your kids, with your spouse, with your friends, with your coworkers to be everything they were meant to be, to everything you want them to be, you got to forgive what, was, what happened to you in your past so that you can give what you really want to give. So you can let down your pride, you can let down those walls, and you go, I can take another chance. I can take another chance. Because if you don't, your bitterness is going to come out in your parenting. And you don't know it, but your kids do. And you're going to wonder, why aren't they calling? Why would anyone want to call? Whenever criticism and sarcasm is going to be what's given. You did what? You made what decision? How could you be so dumb? I've raised you better than that. Come on. Would you want to call? With your spouse. You want to come home? And criticism is going to be the thing that hits you in the, in the door? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't you ask for that raise? Why didn't you go for that? Why are you letting that happen? What, what, don't you care? It's poisoning us. Our bitterness is poisoning our relationships. And there's an answer. It's just forgive. I know it's not that easy. But Paul's teaching us this is the way. Paul goes on and tells this. Not only bitterness, we've got to get rid of a whole bunch of stuff. Rage, anger, brawling, and slander, along with every other form of malice. So if you don't think bitterness is your thing, just pick one of these. Paul's an equal opportunity. They all lead to the same thing. Conflict with your family. Conflict with your friends. Conflict with the ones you love. Paul is basically saying this. Get rid of all words that demean, degrade, and, and give disrespect. You've got to be a gatekeeper. 
We can't let these words out. But Sean, I'm saying the hard thing. Yeah, but you're not saying it the right way. You go to that same doctor, okay? And you've got a, a piece of steel sticking out of your leg. Which doctor do you want? The one that's going to go, ooh, that's bad. It's going to hurt if I pull it out. We'll just wrap it up and you can go. Or you want the one that's just going to rip it out. You don't want either one of those. You're going to want the one who has the precision to come in and do the least amount of damage possible to take that thing out. When you go to a construction site and there's a guy leveling, do you want somebody who's just going to get on that bulldozer and just start digging? No. You want somebody who has the precision to take off inches at a time. That's how we do it. That's how we care. That's how we love and say the hard things, but do it in love. What do they need? How do I need to go about doing this so they are built up? What is going to build them up in this conversation? This should be the thing that runs through our brain the whole time, not what's the next thing I'm going to say, but what does this person need? Paul goes on to tell us this. What they need is for us to be kind, compassionate, to do for one another, to forgive each other just as Christ God forgave you. That's what they need. They need us to be kind. They need us to be compassionate. They need us to be loving and caring. That's what Paul's trying to get us to see, that in this new kingdom that we're now living in, where Jesus is ruler, where Jesus is our leader, where he's the one we're going like, how do we do it like him? You do it with compassion. You do it with love. You do it with kindness. You listen. You listen not just what they're saying, but what they are feeling. Sean, that's hard work. Yeah, it is. That's what a master builder does. They look at the landscape. They look at the materials that they have, and they go, how is the best way to work this in to where it fits, and it fits well, and it builds up, and it makes this better? How far do we go? How far do we do this? I mean, Sean, I mean, how far do I use my words like this? Paul says, you don't want to ask that question. Because this right here is the platinum rule. Just as Christ did for you, the platinum rule is this. Do for others what God and Christ has done for you. Not what they have done for you. Not what the person sitting across from you has done for you. Not to the level of forgiveness that they have done for you. No, you do it to this level. That's the level. That's the mark. That's what we're looking for. Paul is teaching us. Guys, there's a better way. And this isn't going to just be better for the people around you. It's going to be better for you. You're doing this so your life is better. Because nobody's life is good who's carrying around bitterness. We're all around people like that all the time. And if you don't know anyone who's bitter around you, then maybe you need to look in the mirror. Maybe you're the person. Maybe you're the friend. And that bitterness is poisoning. And it's coming out in our words. Paul says it doesn't have to be this way. God is doing something big. Speak over others the way God in Christ speaks over you. How does he do that? 
You're loved. You're important. You're special. I care about you. I have something great for you. You're going to do miraculous things. That's what God's speaking over us. And that's what he wants us to join in. His chorus and speak that into others. And yeah, sometimes we got to say hard things, but we're going to say it in a way that's loving, compassionate. We're going to say it when they need to hear it, not when we want to give it. We're going to say it because we care. And they need that. I've got a couple application questions I'd love for you to think about this week. First one is this. Where do you have work to do when it comes to your words? Second one, who's hoping you get to work soon in your life? Who's the person in your life that's really hoping? They're listening, they're sitting beside you maybe, or maybe they're another thing, but they're hoping that you're hearing this. Because your words are hurting, and they're hoping that you're going to do some work. They're praying that you're going to do some work. Because they're one conversation away from walking out the door. Who is it in our lives that's hoping that we do the work? How do we do this? Well, I would encourage you to get quiet somewhere, get alone, get a piece of paper, not on your phone, get a piece of paper, and do this next question. Who took something from you that you're trying to get back from others, to, that you're trying to get back from others to pay back? Who's the person that put the bitterness in your life? Who's the person that you keep thinking at? Where's that wound that was opened up by somebody? And if you're, you wouldn't say it this way, but this is what's trying to happen. You're looking at every one of your relationships to pay back for that person did. I can't wait till I have kids because they're going to love me unconditionally. Have you ever had teenagers? <laughs> Doesn't work that way. I can't wait till I get married and I move out of this house. My spouse is going to love me so much. Your spouse can't carry that weight. That's an unfair burden you're putting on them. There's only one person. There's only one who can carry the weight of your pain. And that's Jesus. He says, come to me. Come to me. So get quiet. Get alone. Write it down. And then once you've written it down, don't rip it up. Wad it up. Take it to a trash bag. Throw it in there. And then take it to the curb. Some of that sounds so corny. There's something about when we do something physical with a past experience that allows us to move from it. Will it be gone forever? No. But we'll always remember on that day at that time, I gave this to Jesus. I no longer have to carry this around. He paid the price. I'm not only to look for it from anybody else. John, you, you don't get it. You don't know my story. You don't, you don't know what they took from me. You don't know what they said to me. You don't know the, the environment that I was in. You're asking too much. You're right. I don't know. But I'm not asking you to do this. Jesus is. And he knows. He knows. And if you're not sure he knows, go ask him. He'll tell you. He's been waiting to have that conversation with you for a long time. And this is what you're going to hear. I know they said that. But do you know who I am? You know what I think? I think you're beautifully and wonderfully made. I think you have everything you need. I think you're going to do marvelous things. I love you. I love you. I love you. 
That's the words that our Heavenly Father uses to build us up. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you and I just thank you so much that you're a God of words, Lord. You gave us the power you had at the beginning of creation. You said, let there be, and there was, and then you gave it to us. And you said, I trust you that you will use these words wisely to build up others, to partner with me in my construction plan, to partner with me in building my kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. I'm trusting you because you are loved by me. And you're going to allow what my son did for you to pay for all the hurt done to you. And you're going to thank him because you can't pay the price for all the hurt you've done to others. And in him, we're all going to speak words of love in the kingdom. So Lord, we thank you. We pray this is what we would do as your believers. We would go out and we would speak words of love and compassion. We would listen to people, truly listen to what they need, what they're hurting for, what they're designed for. We would ask for your Holy Spirit to give us wisdom to say the words that they need so that they're built up. We would start practicing the habit of not having the last word. Lord, we would look at everyone the way you look at them as your child, someone you deeply love, and someone you want to come home. So, Lord, may that be our heart. We would get with you and we'd get honest with you about where we are, about our past, and we would give it to you. And every time it pokes its head up, we would say, that's a lie. That bill's been paid for. I can now love freely. If you're here today and you've heard about Jesus, maybe you've been in church your whole life, maybe this is the first time you're in church, it doesn't matter. But you know you've never given your life to him. You know that you haven't let him be the leader of your life and that you haven't experienced what his love is. I want to give you an opportunity. Just, I'm just going to lead you in a conversation that you can have with him. Just right there in your seat. Just between the two of you. And I want you to know the words that are said are not what's powerful. It's the turning of your heart to him. That where all the beauty is. Because he wants your heart. But if you're here today and you want to make him the Lord and Savior of your life, you want to walk with him and call him Lord and live in his kingdom, and just say this, just say, God, Jesus, I want to accept the words that you're saying that I'm hearing from your Holy Spirit. I don't understand how all this works completely, but I am believing now that you love me unconditionally. So, Lord, I want to receive that. And I want to ask for forgiveness for how I've treated others by putting conditions on my love to them when you put no conditions on your love for me. I want to start following you. 
I want to say yes to your invitation to follow you. And I want to see where this goes, Lord. Because I believe you're everything I've been looking for. If that's you today, I'd love to just pray for you real quick. If you'd be bold enough, just raise your hand. Just say, that's me today. I'm putting my faith in him. God, I just thank you. I pray for everyone in this room. I pray for those who are having this conversation with you the first time or those of us who are being reminded of it again and again, Lord. I thank you that you love us and you care for us. And I pray, Lord, that those who are making a first-time decision would find somebody, a fellow believer, that would celebrate this time with them, walk along with them, come back with them next week and the week after as they explore, as you pour into and as your Holy Spirit starts guiding them. Or may we all look to be your agents, look to be your builders, and build people up with love, with mercy, listening for what they need, and being bold enough to give it out of the resources that you've given to us. In your son's holy name I pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.